0: That's all you need is a fine tip pen and you will survive in
1: Hi, this is Alice. This is Shafali, And you're listening to Peds Admit. Alice, today we are so excited. When are we not excited really, right? <laughs> but today we're so excited to be sitting down with Sarah Duran. She is a current uh, third year pediatric resident and rising chief in our program.
2: Yes, and today we are talking about how to structure and curate a to-do list that just... Help me explain this. What exactly are we doing
1: here? I think we're going through like the nuts and bolts of how to organize yourself at work and how to be as efficient as possible, so... Digging into the details about the checkboxes, the lists, the prioritization, and what people are doing with those multicolored pens.
2: What are people doing with the multicolored pens? We're going to find out. (laughs) (laughs) So without further ado, here's Sarah. (laughs) Sarah. So, Sarah, thank you so much for joining us today. You're going to walk us through your organizational process, everything from how you create created a to-do list that's complete to what the deal is with the multicolor pens. So let's start with
1: the start of the day. As an intern, you're walking in, typical service, maybe not a cap yet, <laughs> but close. <laughs> um, so like eight to 10 patients. What are you doing during like pre-rounding time to set yourself up for success?
0: Yeah, it's a good question. It took me a long time to figure out I think one thing that I found was when you're pre-rounding, you're getting all these numbers, you're putting them into the note, you're coming up with a plan. But then when you get to each patient's room, you pull up your note. And sometimes in the stress of it, I forget what things I wanted to really point out about the vital signs or about the exam or about the labs. So what helped me is on my patient list in the morning, which is typically my sign out. I just make a little kind of note for myself of anything that I wanted to point out. So the first thing I look at is vitals. If the vitals are normal, I put a V and a little check. If there's any vitals that are abnormal, I'll put what that is. So, increased arrow heart rate means I wanted to bring up that they were tachycardic. Then I go through ins and outs. If there's any ins and outs that are abnormal, I put what that is. Or if they're not, I put I know and I put a check. Then I put in a little L for labs. And if there's any labs that I wanted to point out, I'll write out the labs and then trend them from the last time. that helps me again focus my attention to the most important things and not just everything. And then exam, same thing. If there was an exam finding that I wanted to put, I put a little E and then what the exam finding was. And that helps me when I get to that patient or even before we get to that patient's room to read through that and say, okay, that's right. I wanted to point out they were tachycardic, they had increased work of breathing, and their potassium was low. And that just kind of focuses my presentation a little bit more rather than reading through every single thing on my note.
2: So is this this, you, are you using the simple list, which is just a list of names and room numbers, or are you using your full sign-out, which is sort of a piece of paper with all of the information on it? Do you fold it in half? So I typically use the simple list with just the patient names and
0: the rooms. I fold the paper in half so I can just see the names. I don't write anything on the top sheet of paper yet until rounds, but I write vitals and labs and exam and all those things I was just saying next to their name underneath the folded piece of paper so that when I open the piece of paper it's there and then when I close the piece of paper that's what I write during rounds are you utilizing a specific color to write down those things my pre-rounding is not in color it's all in black but I circle things Mm, no it's just in black my my pre-rounding is just in black the colors come in later in the day
2: Okay. And on the piece of paper where you folded it in half, so you can't see any of your presentation information, labs, vitals, ins and outs, until you open up your paper, do you draw a line to distinguish between the patients on your folded over piece of paper so you've got everything?
0: Yeah. So the first stage is just writing next to the names. And then the second stage is I fold over my paper and I draw my lines. And that lines and folded over piece of paper is what I use primarily during rounds and for the rest of the day.
1: Perfect. So let's talk about when you're on rounds and you're you know, writing down your tasks and to-dos as you're rounding. Where do you write them? Um, Do you use colors in this situation? And how do you prioritize, especially if you're rounding alone, things can get overwhelming, you're also presenting. So how do you organize?
0: Yeah, it's um, a challenge at times. I usually still use the simple piece of paper where it has all the patients on one, ideally one piece of paper, because I find when I have a lot of tasks, seeing them all on one piece of paper helps me prioritize better than if I have to flip through a different paper for each few patients. So I use the simple list. I fold over that top piece of paper. I kind of designate a little section for each patient. And then I make columns. And the columns are orders, consults, tasks. And that helps me prioritize. So on rounds, After we round on a patient and we discuss what we're going to do and the attending proves my plan (laughs) or pedos my plan, um, then I write down the tasks that I have to do with little check boxes and I already put them during rounds into the columns of order consults or discharges. So if I have to order IV fluids, that goes in the left column. If I have to put in a consult for GI or call a consult for GI, that goes in the second column. And if there are other tasks, um, like working on a discharge or things like that, I put that in the third column. That is still all in black during rounds. (laughs) And then after rounds, when I start to tackle those tasks and get updates from nurses and things like that is when I start doing colors. So I've written down all my tasks. And after rounds, I'm like, oh, man, I have to put in all these orders. I have to discharge all these patients. I have to call all these consults. That can be a really stressful time. And it depends on the timing of your hospital. But for us, we typically always prioritize orders first. So what I typically do is I look at my orders column and I see what orders are, need to be done right that minute for any patient. So I look through every single kid's orders and I don't just start at the top and say, okay, I'm going to do all the orders for patient A and all the orders for patient B. I look at patient A through E and see which of these orders need to be done now. So a medication that's due at noon or labs that are due at one or a medication that we need to discontinue so they don't get any more, I do those orders right away. And then if there are other orders that can wait until later or for tomorrow morning or things like that, I just don't do them for now and I'll come back to them later. Next thing I do is usually page consultants. So I look at the consultants and I go ahead and shoot out a page for each of them. When I page them, I put one little checkbox bar- next to their name or one little slash next to their name to say that I paged them. And when they call me back, I put another one so that I can tell who's called me and who hasn't. And I usually put what time I paged so that I know, oh, crap, it's been two hours since they paged me or I paged them. They should call me back. After I page my consultants, I then start working on discharges while I'm waiting for my consultants to call me back um, because sometimes it can take a little while. So that's when I start prioritizing discharges to get people out of the hospital the colors come in as you get updates throughout the day. So any tasks or updates that came in after rounds, I use a different color to remind myself one to tell my senior resident or to tell my fellow or to tell my attending that that happened. And two, to make sure that it goes into my sign out later in the day.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Um, What different colors do you have on your pen? And how do you color code those updates?
0: First, start by saying I highly recommend a .38 pen. <laughs> <laughs> it's just the finest tip, and you can really fit so many tasks. <laughs> 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 <coughs> 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 yeah. That's all you need is a fine tip pen, and you will survive in You can fit so many tasks in a box with a .38 pen. I spent $10 on a .38 tip colored pen from China. No, I've gone through many different colored pens. I usually just have the classic like red, green, red, green, blue. Yeah, red, green, black, blue. And I've changed which ones I decided to use. I usually use green because it feels less alarming to my eyes. And so I don't freak out when I look at my sign out. And red only for things that are like, I need to do this now because I'm going to forget if I don't do it right now. So sometimes I'll break out the red or the highlighter if there's like a task that really is time sensitive that I need to prioritize before anything else. Um, But yeah.
1: Awesome. So I think, regardless of what color or what pen or whatever you choose to use, just finding a way to at least visually cue to yourself when things are
0: extremely high priority versus can wait a little bit longer and
1: being able to triage.
0: I think one time, one thing that I see some interns doing that gets them in trouble is when they don't have one central paper with all their tasks to help prioritize. So if you have a whole sign out that has a lot of detailed information on it, but it's seven pages long and you write things on every single page to do, it can be hard to take a step back and look at all of your patients and think, what thing do I need to do right now? And you can kind of pigeonhole yourself into just doing all the tasks for one patient and then forgetting more urgent tasks for other patients. So I recommend like one kind of central area where you keep all of your to-dos
2: and then whatever way you use
0: to organize that, but at least you have one central place.
2: As you round, when you were the only patient for a long, or the only resident rather, for the for a long list, as you round, do you find it difficult to write down every to-do and how do you coordinate that with updating a progress note? Yeah, that's very challenging.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, I on, on rotations where I was the only resident, I did most of it electronically rather than on my paper because I could type it into my progress note or into sign out and then just copy it into my progress note like from the same place almost and writing down took too long. The other thing that I'll do is I will if I actually put in the order on rounds, sometimes I'll prioritize putting the order in on rounds rather than writing it down and then once I've put it in as we're walking I'll write down and cross off that I already did that so that I No, to then put it in my progress note or my sign out, but something has to give um, in those situations. Sometimes it's the progress notes, honestly, and sometimes it's the sign out, and then your sign out can be updated later, but you can't possibly like put in orders, write it down, update your note, and put in sign out on the same time.
2: How do you cross out your to dos? Do you write a little box? Do you cross out the box? Do you cross out the whole thing? Do you prioritize one line so you can still see the tab? This is a good question because this is
0: a system I recently came up with that I really enjoy. When I do the task. I cross out the checkbox. When I update it and sign out, I cross off the whole thing. Right? (laughs) It's next level, y'all. But it's super helpful, especially on nights when you start with a bunch of tasks and then maybe you have a lull in your night and you update your sign out and then more tasks happen. I forget, oh, did I put that on sign out or not? And then instead of going back through every single sign out, you can just look for the things you haven't crossed out and go and update those people. So I actually think it helps me a lot with only a few months of residency left. Um, (laughs) I
2: figured that out. (laughs) I have peaked. (laughs) And how do you write down your tasks? Do you change your columns? Anything like that when you're coming onto a night shift and the day team is signing you out things to do? Um, On night shifts, I don't do columns because I feel like there aren't
0: that many consults and orders to do at night. Um, I actually just have a blank space where I write down to-dos for each patient. And then after I get signed out from the night team... I do kind of the same step back and look at what things need to be done first. Sometimes then I'll go either highlight or circle things with color of the first thing I'm going to do. So if there's di- if I come into a night shift and there's some discharges pending, I'll look at those and I'll circle or highlight those to do them first. If there's things like orders or I&O checks or things like that later in the night, I won't highlight those on my sheet. So I try to make sure I just do the the most important things first, but I don't do the columns like I did before.
2: Do you have anything differently that you do when you are actively discharging a patient and maybe have a bed check or to get them off your
0: list? Sure do. Um, <laughs> so if I'm actually discharging a patient, I'll kind of write down each start each I'll write down each step of our discharge process with a checkbox so that I make sure that I've either done it or if I'm senioring that I've looked over that part of the discharge process. So for us, there's a discharge note, so I'll write a little box for a discharge note. There's a depart process, um, which I don't include meds in that because I, I just do patient education and things like that. And then I do the med rack as a separate box so that I've made sure that I've gone through all of those things and checked them. And then I cross those off. And then the last thing is the order. So I'll usually write DC order in or conditional discharge in on my paper just to remind myself that I actually put that order into the computer.
1: So particularly when you're an intern, after you come off of rounds, especially, you'll be getting frequent updates from nurses um, in the forms of pages, texts, calls sometimes. What is a good way to allow you to kind of maintain your organization and efficiency, but also handle those calls appropriately?
0: Yeah, it's hard. And it depends on how they contact you, if it's a page or a text versus a call. Um, I'll start with calls. If it's a call... What I usually do is with a different colored pen, I make a note of it next to their name with either a checkbox to make sure that I get it done at some point or just a check that I've already done it because maybe I fixed it as I was talking to them on the phone. It depends on what kind of request it is. Um, If it's a text or a page, I think... I try to not get as distracted by texts and pages if I'm doing another task. So it's easy after rounds to be doing another task and get paged 10 times. And if you look at your pager every one of those 10 times and respond to that task immediately, you're going to get really distracted from the other task you were doing. So if I'm really, let's say I'm writing a discharge summary or I'm doing a med rec or something where I really don't want to mess up and I'm getting a lot of pages, I'll look at it make sure I process it, make sure it's not urgent. And then I put it back down and I don't write it down. I don't call the nurse. I don't delete the page. I just let it be until I'm done with that task. And then I go back to my pager and I kind of sort through things and write things down and delete pages as I've dealt with them to kind of keep a running list of what things I've dealt with and what I haven't. Text messages are a little bit harder because you can't necessarily delete them, but I won't read them until I've dealt with them. That also helps me keep a running track of like which things I've dealt with and which I still need to do. Um, But it can be challenging if you get a lot at the same time.
1: I think a pro tip there for sure is to make sure you're deleting pages as they come in because especially on your night shifts or your 24s, you will have tens
2: of texts,
1: maybe 20, 30,
2: 40 at the end of the night and it can be very overwhelming. I know that this might be an issue specific to our hospital where we don't have an easily located like it takes a minute or two usually to find nursing numbers. Do you incorporate writing down the nursing number anywhere into your list? I know in a perfect world we would have all the nursing numbers written down, but that I usually don't get there.
0: I was going to say, that's a good question. I, I tend to do it on nights because the nurses don't change as frequently, but during the day they change a fair amount and I just don't find it as useful. But on nights I find it more helpful. Or particularly, and this is probably our hospital, but the patients that are off-floor, who we, it's harder to get their, their numbers, I usually write those ones down even during the day sometimes.
2: So when in the night shift are you guys writing down the nursing names onto your sign-up?
1: I do it as soon as the nurses change of shift and they get posted on either the, the handout that the nurses sometimes give us or on the system that we have. Um, and I just literally go down the list because it just makes it so much easier to keep track of it.
0: I find night shift one thing in an ideal world which doesn't always happen is after you've kind of gotten your last minute discharges out of the way and after you've done some urgent tasks when it's like 9 or 10 you have your night shift nurse already there, things are calming down a little bit. I find it very helpful to either call or just walk around and check in with the nurses and try to see if there's any orders they need, if there's any concerns, things like that it can make the rest of your night flow much nicer and prevent a lot of calls later.
1: That highlights an important point, especially if you're on a 24-hour shift and you want to try to get some sleep. Um, checking in with the nurses beforehand can save you a 4 a.m. call for like a non-urgent order.
2: When you have a list of patients and you're working down your to-do list and you also start to think about case management, things that need to be done, where how do you have a process during your day where you see the patient you're thinking about and are like, okay, how do we get them out? follow-up, home meds, med rec signed, things like that, even if it's not an imminent discharge task.
0: Yeah, that's very senior level. And I will say, admittedly, not my strength. As a senior, though, I added a column to my orders, consults, tasks. That was case management. And as a senior, every day on rounds, I would make myself think, okay, wait, what things are keeping him here? What medications would we need? Would those medications need prior off? What kind of appointments do we need? Have we gotten a timeline from specialists on when they would want to schedule those appointments? And do I need to schedule them or our schedulers need to schedule them? Or the specialists going to do that? And the more I made myself do that on rounds, the better I was able to help the interns. Then when they were talking to consultants, say, what medicines are we sending this home kid home on? When do you want to follow up? So that when it came time to discharge them, we weren't scrambling to do all those things. Um, and sent, doing things like sending meds to the pharmacy the day before so that there's no prior author concerns like with getting medications filled can really help discharges go more smoothly. So when you're senioring, I recommend putting that column in whatever system you use and then kind of having a systematic way that you think through it. So for me, it was where are they going? So are they going home or to an outside facility? What medications do they need? And I would only write down which ones are new. What follow-ups will they need? So which specialists and the timeframe for those? And then any other case management needs like G-tube supplies or home care or wound care supplies below that. And then that just prompted me on rounds to actually think about that and not wait until I was trying to discharge them to do it. That
1: brings up the next point of like when you're a senior, you do have this extra framework that you need to be aware of. Um, and, and I think it also comes with the fact that you're not dealing with the nitty gritty of patient care as much as an intern so it allows you to take that step back but it sounds like definitely something that we should all be aware of and we'll get better as we get more experienced with it do you have a strategy one thing that I have always found challenging is keeping case management rounds running efficiently any strategies for in terms of organization efficiency for when you're when you're kind of running it
0: I think the The only thing you can do is to have a structure that you follow. Try to follow that structure without too many detours or kind of extra information away from that. So I actually made myself type out on my sign out. I made a a case management section and I made myself type out on my sign out those questions. Where are they going? What meds? What home care needs? um, And what follow-ups do they need? So that that I could, during case management rounds, I could just open up my sign out and read what I had. Um, But it can be challenging, especially when you have people coming and going from case management rounds. Last thing is trying to predict when the patient could go home, which is is harder than it sounds like thinking, could they go home tomorrow if they needed or no? And that can help you also prioritize case management because if you do that for every patient, it's a lot. And so prioritizing this kid's not going to go home for a week. I'll think about that tomorrow. This could could possibly go home tomorrow. So let's prioritize these ones first.
2: Can help so that case management isn't so overwhelming. Okay. I want to take a step back and talk about when you are part of a multi-person team that's rounding together. One thing that I've found to care about, but maybe not to do as well as I could when we're rounding as a team is to really care about getting our orders done. Like if if we're rounding as a team, you're engaged in rounding and while someone else is presenting, you're getting your orders done, making sure each patient is tied up. I'm wondering what you think about that and how you adjust your workflow to sort of double check things efficiently and make sure everything really happens.
0: That's the dream is if you have two or three residents on a team and you can all divide and conquer tasks so that by the end of rounds, you have your orders And your sign-outs up to date in theory. So what we often do is while one person is presenting, the other person will take on that person's orders and then the third person will take on the person who's presenting's sign-out. But, you know, that requires a lot of trust in your co-residents, which I always trust my co-residents, but I always double check their work too. So what that looks like is I pretty much still do the same thing. I write down all the things that we were supposed to do. And then at the end of rounds, instead of going through and actually doing all those orders, I just open the orders to make sure that they're there and then confirm and check off that those things have been ordered. Sometimes I am able to do that on rounds. If we spend a particularly long time talking about one certain patient or Um, There's not a lot of orders for a patient. I'm able to go ahead and check the orders for the patient we just rounded on while we're starting rounds on the next patient. It all kind of depends on the flow of rounds and how long you're spending on each patient. But ideally, you designate, okay, Shafali's going to do sign out for Sarah. Alice is going to do orders for Sarah. And then the whole rounds, you just do those things. And it can help actually keep people engaged in rounds, too, because you really have to pay attention to be able to update the order and put in sign out. So it can make rounds a little bit more interesting sometimes.
1: It also definitely helps if you are cross-covering in the afternoon. You are aware of at least the most important points about a certain patient and their care. One thing to emphasize there, I think never hesitate to... Close the loop before you move on from that patient um, to make sure that the person who's presenting knows what orders have been put in and what orders are missing.
0: As a senior, too, there can be dis- like a lot of discussion on rounds between what the intern said, if there's a fellow, what the fellow said, what the senior said, what the attending said. And sometimes it's unclear to the whole team at the end what the final decision was, which also means it's unclear to the family what it was. Um, but it's good to summarize to make sure that orders are clear and the plan going forward is clear, especially if someone's going to cross-cover you in the afternoon. And then I will say some people like to page consultants during rounds. I find that challenging because you never know when they're going to call back And then sometimes you're stuck placing a consult for a patient that's not yours, which can get tricky and you might not ask the question the way the person wanted, who has the patient wanted to ask it. So I tend to wait for consultants until after rounds. If your orders and your sign-out are already done, it makes it a lot easier to spend time paging consultants. Discharge summaries are something you can also do on rounds. Uh (laughs) Yeah. Like hospital summaries, discharge summaries. If you're really talking about a patient for a long time, go ahead and just update that discharge summary or hospital summary so that if that kid is going home today, it's so much easier for your code, than it?
2: So really, all if it's all boiling down to a list of tasks on a piece of paper, how as a senior do you structure checking in with your intern to see what's done? Do we run the list and structure our to-do lists? Do you do like two-hour intervals or after lunch or… It's tricky and it depends on your interns, I think. Early on in intern year, you're all
0: sitting around when, when they're interns. Um, early on, you're all sitting around the same table. And I think their nature is just to tell you every single thing that happens right away, which early on, honestly, I was fine with because it made me feel good to know it was happening. And it's a hard transition going from knowing all the things that's happening to stepping back and letting them do it. So I think first, second block intern year – It's fine to just let them tell you things as they come in, help them field consults, help them field questions, and just furiously write things down as they tell you. Later in the year, though, I do think it's important to try to get them away from that because you want them to try to think through a nurse call by themselves or to push back on a consultant without you kind of pushing them to do so. And so I do think it's important to try to, even though you're sitting at the same table with them, distance yourself a little bit and say, okay, okay. Let's prioritize these tasks. We'll check in at an hour. If there's an urgent patient care issue or you're concerned about something or someone, obviously let me know. But if it's not urgent updates, tell me in an hour or tell me in two hours. Um, and that pushes them a little bit more to take be a little bit more independent with those tasks and fielding calls and things like that. It's not always perfect. But I think that that's a good step to take. So I usually, depends on the interns, but set a time, either one hour or two hours. And in that in that time, if they're still giving me updates and like, is it urgent? Okay, we'll talk about it in an hour, and that kind of helps remind them to have, come up with their own system too of how they're going to tell me what's changed in that hour.
2: The other thing that I feel like is often an underlying mood is the sense of urgency to which we approach tasks and the day. Because on one hand, you know, you do have all day to get these things done, and on the other hand, you could come back you could go to conference and come back to three admissions that you want to get done before sign out. And I'm wondering how you set the mood, if that makes sense.
0: Yeah, I agree. And that's something that I struggle with because I don't like having tasks undone. So even if we have all day to do 10 tasks, I'd rather just my personality is let's just do them right now. Um, But not everyone's personality is like that. And so that's a lot of, especially as a senior learning how to manage and kind of gauging other people's work styles and trying to modify your own style to meet theirs. I think I typically try to prioritize the most urgent tasks before noon conference, things like updating hospital summaries or orders for the next day or things like that. I tried to push off until noon conference and make sure that during noon conference, people can put away their computers for an hour And listen and learn because I think we have an hour in our day to spare and we should try to take advantage of that. We don't need to be doing tasks constantly for the entire day. And then I think in the afternoon, I try to prioritize patient care. It's really easy to get stuck at our computers. And so I really encourage people early in the afternoon to go check in with the families at least once to make sure they're seeing their patient more than once a day. I think it's more satisfying, it's better patient care, it helps you feel like you're not just writing notes all day. And in doing that, sometimes as a senior, I'll take on some of the more boring roles of writing hospital summaries or discharge summaries or things like that. But I think it allows the interns to get away from their computer and do more patient care. And so I think it's, it's worth it. But the uncertainty of admissions is always a stressful thing. And I don't think I have a good strategy for, for addressing that besides just trying to get tasks done. And if you're pleasantly surprised in the afternoon and you have no admissions, then doing teaching or something fun, going to the healing garden, going for a walk, getting a snack – it's a nice break and nice to feel like you've done your tasks and you're providing good care and that's kind of off your plate for for the moment. Some interns that I've worked with don't feel that same urgency and that is not a bad thing and they still get their tasks done and arguably they're probably a little bit more sane because of it. But it, t- it takes <laughs> takes taking some deep breaths and seeing a box still left unchecked on their sheet and just reminding yourself they will get it done on their own time. <laughs> but they might go get some lunch or something else before that, and that's okay. It has taught me a lot too about like my own work style and kind of anxieties around that. I think you can learn a lot from seeing how other people manage that, that list of tasks.
1: And just highlighting there that there is an hour we can take that hour. It's important to not, unless it's some kind of like outside facility discharge that has to be coordinated time-wise, like a patient can also wait to be discharged until 1 p.m. versus noon
2: um, and allowing yourself that wheel room. Okay. Um, So, you've got a list of patients that you've made and carefully curated. You hear about an admission. How do you add that kid to your list? And what to do's would you start writing down right away? Or do you wait until everything's done? And this is for a patient who's in the ED ready to be admitted. Okay. So when there's a child in the
0: ER who I've heard a little bit of a story about, and they are, we'll say, coming to the floor, which means coming up from the ER and arriving on the, on the floor within 30 minutes to an hour – Typically, my first order of business is actually to put in orders. So the things that I write on my piece of paper is I write their name, maybe a little bit of story about them. And then in the right side where I write my tasks, I write a box for orders, H&P and MedRec. So the first thing I do is kind of plan skeleton orders because if I get distracted or another kid is sick and I have to go see them or something like that, worst case scenario is that they come to the floor and at least they have orders so that the nurse can start taking care of them. They can get medications they need, things like that. So before I even see them, I usually at least plan preliminary orders that I can always change after I see them because maybe my plan changes. And then after the orders, I've planned them. Then I would go to the emergency room and do the H&P. I do not type well while I talk. So I just typically go down with a piece of paper or maybe my computer and just take notes very quickly. And I actually don't prioritize my P's. Those are kind of honestly the last thing I do in my day because um, they're really not essential to patient care. So I get the story. I do my physical. I talk over the plan with the attending. And then I edit my orders so that when the patient hits the floor, everything's ready to go. The med rack is the second piece that needs to be done. And that for us is the, the medication reconciliation, which just means what home meds are we going to continue So I typically do that, usually when they get to the floor, and just confirming the home meds that they have so that we can order them here. And then if I have time to sit right now and do my H&P, great. If not, if there's other patient care things happening, I'll sometimes wait until sign out and do it after sign out. Ideally, before sign out, at some point, I'll have a a minute to sit down and think through my notes and write a good H&P.
1: So just to recap, orders take priority, at least skeleton orders, um, and then MedRec. When you have the ability to confirm that with them, last thing is the note. And potentially, if you don't have time to do the note, at least getting them into your sign-out so you can sign them out and then do your note.
2: Yeah. I always put them in sign-out even before I do my note. mm mm-hmm. oh. I have to say, this is something that maybe I should, but because I do, I always sit when I'm, Asian, when I'm admitting a patient and it's because I have my computer on my lap yeah. and I'm typing down your family history. I'm typing down your social history. I think it's personal style.
0: I I do not like typing when I talk. I think it's because I'm bad at typing and I can't look up from my computer when I type. I can't. I can't look up. So I find that I'm I am I can take a very fast H&P if I just go in with a blank piece of paper, write down notes that I need to write down, write down the family history, things like that I'm not gonna remember. I'm more conversational. I get a better story. I'm not like so focused on what questions I need to ask. And honestly, if I forgot some questions, I go see the patient when they see, when they hit the floor and I fill in any blanks that I missed. Then sometimes right after I do that, especially if I didn't write anything down, I'll sit and jot down the story really quickly and type it up in an H&P so that I don't forget the story that I just got. But I, I hate typing when I talk. But I think that's a personal style thing. I'm sure the families prefer that.
1: think, yeah, absolutely. Like, I I do sometimes hate having the laptop as a barrier, and I'm very aware of it sometimes. For me, it's the opposite problem. I frequently forget what they tell me, and my handwriting, when I'm like writing quickly, is illegible to me later. So I've realized early on I have to.
0: (laughs) There have definitely been times, especially if you're on a 24 hour shift and it's like late in the night and you didn't admission, there's definitely been times that I've walked out of the room and be like, cool. And I go to tell the story and I'm like, Oh, was that that patient or was that another patient, especially if you're doing a lot of H&P? So, uh, you're risk-taking a little <laughs> bit. But like I said, a lot of kids, if it's like bronchiolitis or asthma, it doesn't really matter a whole lot. If you messed up how many days they had you know, cough for, it's okay. Um, but you can always fill in the blanks later. Another twist on the other question we asked you, if you have
1: a patient who is a direct admission, so they have not arrived yet and Maybe the ETA is like four to five hours, so it's going to be for your night shift. What are some things you can do for them to set them up for
0: success? Similarly, I always try to at least prep skeleton orders. If it's an admission for something that we know how we're going to treat it without seeing the patient, like asthma, maybe you would do Q2 versus continuous albuterol, but overall the management's very similar. I go ahead and prep those orders and write in my sign out what orders I prepped or that the orders are prepped and here's what I put the plan was, but obviously they can change that plan if they think when the patient comes. And then the other thing you can do that's really kind to your night team is to start a skeleton H and P. It's hard if the patient's never been to your hospital, but you can type whatever information you have into a note, kind of put in skeleton family history, things like that. If the patient's been here before, let's say it's a more complicated patient and they follow with some specialists, it can be really nice to go through some outpatient notes and just gather some information about that patient and put it into an H&P so that when they're talking to the families, it kind of looks like they know the family better and that they know the family history. And so they're not having to start all of that from scratch as you would otherwise. I think the families like it a lot more and it's just way easier for the night team when you
1: have a lot of admissions. So definitely that can be helpful as the night person. Getting that from the day team has been a blessing. You can also then direct your questions much more effectively if you're not trying to like
2: figure out what they have. And, you know, yeah. So how, how do you – so we've talked about direct admissions coming in a few hours. We've talked about kids in the ED. How would you – when you hear about a new an ICU transfer, how do you sort of think about that to-do list and how do you prioritize seeing the patient doing the orders?
0: ICU transfers are the only patients that I don't do orders first. I go see them first because we have to accept them to the floor and make sure that they're safe for the floor. So I don't bother doing any orders or notes or anything like that until I go see them to make sure that I feel comfortable that they're acceptable for the floor. So typically what I do is I look at their chart for a minute and try to read their hospital summary or look at the most recent vitals and labs and things like that. And just from a chart stocking perspective, make sure that they seem okay for the floor. And then I go see the patient, clarify anything that I want to with the parents, do an exam, and then I'll come back, put in the transfer order, and then do the orders for them to come from the ICU to the floor. I still prioritize those orders over doing the transfer summary because, again, documentation is always kind of like the last thing, but I typically make sure I see those patients first. And then the the let's say you had all of these at once, right? So you have a patient in the ER, you have a patient, a direct admit, and you have a picky transfer. That can be stressful to prioritize all of those things. I think in that situation, I typically depends on how fast we think the kid from the ER will come up and hit the floor. But I would usually prep orders for the kid in the ER first, go see the PICU transfer, do those orders, and then prep the direct admissions orders after. And then from there, do notes and see patients and things like that, just knowing how the patients move throughout our hospital. But just prioritizing or overall, just prioritizing orders for the kid who's going to come to your floor first is important for patient safety.
2: right. Well, thank you so much for sitting down with us today. Just one closing question, I'd love to hear either one thing you learned recently that you can't get out of your head or your favorite thing about being a pediatric resident and coming up on being chief.
0: Oh, here's something that I learned that then I got asked about in the ICU last night and promptly forgot. <laughs> and then they taught me again and I was like, oh, I'm a dummy. Um, when you have a white hemithorax on x-ray, it can be from fluid, which is what we always think it can be, or it can be from atelectasis. And the way you tell is which way the mediastinum shifts. So if it's fluid, it's going to push the mediastinum away. If it's atelectasis, it's going to suck it towards it. And I forgot. And last night in the ER I ha- or the PICU, I had a kid with a whiteout out hemithorax, and he was like, "Do you think it's atelectasis or fluid?" And I was like, "I don't know." <laughs> I literally explained this in my morning report last week, <laughs> and he was like, "Well, it's the mediastinum." And I was like, "Darn it!" Um, but now I really can't get out of my head. So that was effective. Something that I like, what I love about being a pediatric resident, honestly, is just the kids wandering around the hospital. Like anytime, <laughs> like anytime you're having a bad day or something happens, like you see a goofy little kid in like a Superman cape pushing a truck down the hallway and you're like, okay, this is why I'm here, right? It's It's just, they always brighten your day, even in stressful or hard times. They're adorable.
1: Thank you so, so much again. <laughs>
2: Alice, that was an awesome episode. I agree. I think I'm going to change the way I cross things out. I'm going to create columns in my to-do lists so that all the orders are in one place. When I'm senioring, I'm going to
1: make an extra case management column, I think, on my sign out to keep track of things and just make sure we're always ticking those boxes when we're rounding.
2: Yes. And to use that to structure case management rounds so that nothing is left unaddressed. The big picture here
1: also is while we've talked about some individual strategies for organization and efficiency, the most important thing you need to do is find a system that works for you and stick to it as methodically as possible um, with the goal that some way, somehow you're learning how to effectively triage tasks and
2: try your hardest to not miss things. As always, thank you for listening. You can reach us at pedsadmit at gmail.com. We want to hear all of your thoughts, comments, concerns. We'd love to do an episode where we just read through different workflow tips and <laughs> So, So email us with any tips you have. If you want
1: us to share your perspective, that's what we're here for. Literally why we're here refreshing. <laughs> <laughs> email us. Okay. See you next time.